welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. And today we're back with another installment of the new series that we're putting out with this podcast within the life of the Asking for a Friend podcast called the New Members Series. And again, just to remind, if you've heard the first episode on baptism, uh, these episodes are going to be specifically geared toward those who would be prospective members or new members of our local church as a resource. Maybe you have some questions that weren't answered in the new members class. Maybe they were, and maybe you needed to go back and hear something uh, again. Uh, This resource is geared for that specifically, to answer some basic things about our church, and in particular, uh, some of our distinctives. And uh, Lord willing, the plan will be to have a whole host of these episodes coming in the future that regard some of the distinctives and particulars of our church's theological beliefs. But before we dive in, I'm back joined uh, with two of our church elders, uh, Patrick Covington and Kyle Slaymaker. Brothers, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? Great to be back. Doing yeah. good, except for my cough. <laughs> yeah. The allergies, we were just talking pre-podcast before we started recording, that uh, the allergies are just a real hindrance. <laughs> I've I'm been battling them for months. Sucking on a cough drop, so prayerfully you won't have to hear me, listener, uh, coughing too much for with you. Yes, I, I'm glad to be back also. And yeah, I might say on first pass, I'm, I'm you know first episode. I'm really excited to get to record this with Patrick. You know, Patrick and I are the the two. Uh, well, there's a there's a third lay elder, but we're the young ones who uh, who have jobs and are are working full time. So I mean, I'm as excited to have this opportunity. It's, it's tough for us to find time to come together sometimes. So I was really excited for us to come together and record these podcasts. I, uh, I still think of myself as one of the young guys on the eldership, but my uh, receding hairline and graying beard reminds me otherwise. But uh, I'm enjoying being in with these young guys uh, recording this podcast today. Well, my hairline's receding too, but, <laughs> but yes. I'm a little younger. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I, again, uh, I'm thankful for y'all taking the time today. I know y'all have work responsibilities that are being pushed back at the moment, even as we're recording this on a Friday. But again, this what we're doing today, um, as we prayed before recording, um, that, that the Lord would use these as a means of grace, but also just for the benefit of anyone who would listen, particularly those who have some questions maybe about just the fundamentals and basics of the Christian faith. And so although, you know, this could be uh, time-consuming, something that maybe we, you know, you could justify being like, it might be a waste of time or something like that. This is so important for us to be reminded of. And as we have been sitting around this table, I think you guys would also agree that we have been edified just by talking through this and sharpening one another, going to the text of Scripture, looking at the 1689 Confession of Faith as it is worked out of the Scripture, and just sharpening our, our understanding even today recording. 
Oh yeah, it's issues. been great. We we had fun, challenging conversations half an hour before. These are these are uh, difficult topics sometimes, um, and so it's great to highlight our unity where we where we agree, and it's also important sometimes to to bring up where we disagree and why we have disagreements. And there are some challenges. I think you brothers would agree challenges to these issues. Some of the issues are regarding the Lord's Supper, which is what we're going to cover today, are not as clear cut as we'd like them to be. And so today we want this to be, again, a helpful resource to anyone listening. So um, let's just dive in. Today we're asking, what is the Lord's Supper? And we're going to start off with Patrick. Patrick, I'm going to toss this question to you. Give us the most uh, basic fundamental definition of this that you can come up with today that would just kind of kick us off. Basic fundamental on the spot definition. Okay. Um, yeah, the Lord's Supper, I'm glad Duffy just in- introducing, I'm glad you've already mentioned the means of grace, um, because the means of grace is exactly what we're going to be talking about today, just like we talked about with baptism. Um, and, and the reality is the Lord's Supper, if I'm trying to somewhat succinctly define it, um, it is a means of grace. And as a means of grace, it's established to increase and to strengthen our faith, um, and, and in the Lord's Supper, in which you know we remember Christ's sacrifice, right? We remember what Christ has done with us, and then we commune with Christ, and we commune with each other. Um, and then ultimately, we long. Uh, we, we there's a longing uh, to the to the Lord's Supper as well for the marriage supper of the Lamb, for eternity when we're with Christ. But we we probably won't get that. Uh, that in depth today, or get to that point. Are but you talking about the Lord's Supper has something to do with eschatology? The Lord's Supper has something to do with eschatology. It does. Oh, we probably shouldn't touch that topic today. <laughs> <laughs> that gets me excited, though. I'm yeah, we probably I'm, shouldn't. I'm, we'll I'm get kicked out. <laughs> I'm teasing you, brother. Okay, so I love that. And if you listen to the, I'm going to jump in real quick. If you listen to our first episode, um, the uh, the Lord's Supper and baptism are the two sacraments or ordinances that Christ gave the church, their commands for the church to engage in. And I love what your definition of baptism from the first episode is, and I think that it also applies, and maybe not exactly the same way. Uh, You guys can push back on this if you want, but I think it applies to the Lord's Supper that it is a sign of our union with Christ. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, It is all about our union with Christ, um, all about remembering what He has done, and of course, you know the the supper is um, uh, useless to us apart from our union with Christ. So, absolutely, it is about our union with Christ, and it's a good and wonderful thing, and that's what we hope to be able to communicate today. Uh, that it is um, a, th- a it's a table we ought to approach with joy. Um, and the sad and very, very unfortunate reality is that is not the case for most believers, um, especially within uh, the context that you know we've grown up in, um, you know, in Southern Baptist life or you know just Bible Belt life. Uh, the supper is not something that's approached with joy. It's approached with uh, a certain amount of fear. It's uh, approached with trepidation and anxiety. And am I worthy, or did I sin? Am I coming to the table appropriately? Am I am I emotional enough? Have I conjured up enough to where I can really partake of this table, and Jesus be happy with me? Uh, and we're here to say that that is um, a terrible misunderstanding of the word. Brother, sister, you are free from that in that regard. Don't be burdened by fearing if you are if you are pleasing Christ in that sense, because. You have union with him. And yes, it is possible to, to uh, grieve him. That is absolutely true. 
when we sin, we grieve him. Um, that's the contrary to his nature. But at the same time, we should never fear. Uh, we should come reverently, but we should never fear Absolutely. All right. right union with Christ. Right. We've taken the table which is uh, given to us to build us up and to strengthen our faith, and we've made it something um, not about Christ's faithfulness to us. Right. We talked about this with baptism. Even uh, we've made it something that's not about Christ's faithfulness to us and His promise to build us up through this means of grace. Instead, we've turned it into our faithfulness and have we been faithful enough to come to the table? Mm. And that's a that's a detriment. That's a terrible reality. Um, but it is, I mean, means of grace. We've been talking means of grace all morning. The primary two means of grace being the ministry of the word and the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And of course there's prayer and there's other, other things as well. Yep. But That's yeah, good. means of grace, they're there to build us up. They are how pr- God has promised to strengthen our faith. Amen. Right? We uh, maybe I'm getting in the weeds just a little bit, but no, keep, um, you're we're fine. we're ruggedly individualistic in uh, Texas, especially. Um, but United States mentality, ruggedly individualistic. Uh, we think we grow in Christ by ourselves, by our own efforts. We think it's our devotions, it's our Bible study, it's us, it's us, it's us. God has promised other ways to grow us. Um, and that is through these means of grace, these things that we so neglect, the baptism, the Lord's Supper, the ministry of the mm. Word, common or together corporately. Um, wonderful, wonderful stuff. But anyway, All right, I'll get Kyle, off the trail. I know you're, you're dying to jump in. Come on, brother. <laughs> no, it's jump great. In. I mean, uh, Patrick just took a dive, you know, right into the deep end on this. Uh, <laughs> so I might, uh, I might take a, a step back. I mean, and just to kind of reiterate what you guys have, have said, and you said, Duffy, you know, I mean, the, the purpose of these sacraments, and, you know, a lot of times sacraments get, you know, we think of sacraments and it, it kind of gets, uh, you know, as, as Christians or especially uh, modern Christians, we kind of, what are you talking about sacraments? But really sacraments is just, it's a sacred command by Christ, right? It's something that we are commanded to do. And the purpose of these sacraments is to continuously point us back to Christ. You know, as, as humans in our hearts, uh, we're always trying to, you know, take claim over our own salvation, right? We're always trying to to, to think, okay, have I done enough, you know, or am I, am I doing enough? And the purpose of, of the Lord's Supper is to just point us back to Christ and to point us back to what he has done. And, and that's why, as I said, is it's, it's to be a perpetual remembrance. It's something that we are to do often, and it is something that is to continue uh you know, until the end, right? And and I'm, I'm kind of referring back to the 1689, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but it said it's to be observed in his churches to the end of the age as a perpetual remembrance. So it is something that we are continually to do, to continually point us back to Christ, his work, and our union with Christ. Um, and so... Well, uh, let me jump in real quickly, Kyle. We, we talked before the episode. Um, we're actually going to walk through the first yeah. paragraph of chapter 30 of the 1689 London Baptist Confession and kind of use that as our baseline uh, as well as two particular texts of scripture, which we're going to come to in just a minute. So why don't, since we're here, why don't you go ahead and just read that first paragraph? You're already mentioning it. Yeah. Go ahead and start with the first paragraph of the Lord's Supper, chapter 30. Yep. So this is uh, in chapter 30 of the uh, 1689, uh, paragraph one. It says, the supper of the Lord... Jesus was instituted instituted by him the same night he was betrayed. It is to be observed in his churches to the end of the age as a perpetual remembrance and display of the sacrifice of himself in his death. 
It is given for the confirmation of the faith of believers and all the benefits of Christ's death, their spiritual nourishment and growth in him, and their further engagement in and to all the duties they owe him, the suppers to be a bond and pledge of their communion with Christ and each other. Uh, so let's take a step back and we'll kind of break this down. You know, the, the first part of it, you know, the very first sentence says, the supper of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus was instituted by him the same night he was betrayed. And uh, we see that in Matthew, right? So um, I'll go ahead and read from Matthew uh, 26. And uh, Matthew 26, you know, we'll, we'll take it back to Jesus and his word. Matthew 26 says, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, and when he given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I will tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Yeah, good stuff there. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot we can consider. Um, But it's good. I mean, in considering the context of Matthew chapter 26 and really what the Lord's Supper is, um, remember remember where we're at, right? We're in the the upper room, uh, Jesus with his disciples, and it is what? It is Passover, Mm -hmm. right? And here... Jesus institutes a new Passover. So without getting too far off into the weeds, we know what um, what the Passover signified, right? It was um, Israel's uh, exodus, right? Israel's salvation. Um, and we you know, go back to Exodus, read that another time. We won't dive into it too much. Jesus says, this is the new one, right? Well, Jesus is the greater Moses leading his people out of bondage. Right, out of slavery, bondage to sin. The greater exodus. Right. He's the greater Passover lamb that, I mean, we could go, there's so much theological, uh, So much truth there that you know, <laughs> yes. had to get I off into this. it without getting completely I'll, I'll, derailed. I'll pump the brakes on myself here. Okay, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Whatever you've got, let's hear it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Jesus is that new Passover lamb Amen. who is slain, yes. as the text says, for the forgiveness of sin. Yes. So this is what it's all about, right? It is something we are to do in remembrance of what Christ has done for us in our union with him in our salvation, right? So it all ties back to the gospel. It's all about what Christ has done for us. And it's, you know, to be done when we gather um, and it's to be done to build us up because even as Kyle said earlier, we're tempted to look back to ourselves. We're tempted to look back to ourselves. Now look at Christ. And there Christ is that element. We don't diminish it, but the greater element there is to look to Christ. We do look to ourselves but not as the grounds by which we, we uh, come to the table. Sure. We sure. are not the grounds by which we come to the table. Christ's work being done for us is the grounds yes. by which we approach the table, right? Uh, so, uh, Kyle, go ahead and take us further in that first paragraph. We looked at the first couple of sentences, I think. Yeah. Um, it is to be observed, right? Yep, it is to be observed sentence. in his churches. And, you know, I, I kind of touched on that a little bit already. You know, this is something that is to be done perpetually. It is to be observed in his churches to the end of the age as a perpetual remembrance and display of his sacrifice of himself and his death. Um, so a text we can look at there is uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 23 through 26. And this is where, where Paul is instructing the Corinthian church on how to partake of the Lord's Supper. And it says, uh, For I received from from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and, we, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we see, uh, we see language there of, you know, of, you know, it's something that's to be done often. And what are we doing when we, we partake, right? We are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So this is something that is a, is a joyful, it's a, it's a celebratory time of, of proclamation of, of Christ and what Christ has done for us. You know, we are, we are proclaiming the salvific message of, of the Lord's death and the fact that he paid the penalty for us and that he paid the penalty for our sins and that it is, that is, it is, and which is exactly what Patrick was saying is that the supper is not about me. Exactly. <laughs> it's about Christ. Um, and if we flip that on its head and, and get so caught up in, in me, me, me and what I have done and uh, that can lead into just this cycle of doubt, worry, fear, discouragement, um, all those things, and I, we want to we want to encourage to move away from that, and look to Christ, who is our salvation, who is our sh- a sure word, a sure better word, the blood that speaks a word better than Abel's blood, right in Hebrews. Yep. Um, sorry, I'm t- no, you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, we let's get some excited. You've, you've you've opened up the can now. Um, let's yeah. let's consider why people let's do it. why people feel that way, um, and yeah. it's it's found in this First Corinthians text, right? Why yeah. is it that the inclination is to be so introspective? Uh, why is it that it's so burdensome and so anxiety producing? And we would venture to say it's a it's a misunderstanding, um, misapplication of First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty seven. Uh, yeah, verse twenty seven and following. Yeah. Right, it says, uh, "Whoever therefore." So right on the heels of talking about uh, this this supper of communion, it says, "Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord." You know, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So what do we do with that, right? That's where, that's where people get so caught up, and it's, oh, am I worthy? I don't want to do this in an unworthy manner. I better make sure, I better make sure, I better make sure. Well, in order to rightly understand this, we have to understand the context of 1 Corinthians 11, right, as a whole. Um, and the reality is what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he is uh, condemning the Corinthian church for not coming to the table rightly, right? Um, beginning in verse 17 Yeah, that's follow. the context of verse 27. Right, right. They're, Specifically. Uh, right. Paul is not commending them because ultimately they're coming together for their personal gain. Um, they're coming and you know getting to, the, getting to the meal first so that they can get their fill and they can get drunk. And they're leaving their brothers behind. You know, they're coming to the table only to consider themselves. Um, whether it be a selfish um, uh, and a misunderstanding of what it is and that, hey, I'm, I'm going to get my fill of Christ. You know, I'm going to eat more so I'm more holy. Whatever it is, um, Paul is condemning them and their understanding of it. Um, so we ought to understand why, you know, why, what is it that's unworthy about what the Corinthians were doing? And the reality is it's unworthy because they're not considering the brothers who are there, they are there to commune with, right? Yeah, and, and on the heels of that, I've actually got my Reformation Study Bible open, and uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul, uh, it was over the compiling of these study notes, 
And on this text specifically, something helpful to think about, right in line with what Patrick is saying, um, I don't know who wrote these notes specifically, but it says this, it would be in particular a misreading of verse 30 to think that God routinely brings illness and death to Christians who, in spite of their spiritual failings, partake of the supper. Because some of the believers in Corinth were celebrating the supper in a way that both profaned the spiritual significance of the atoning death of Christ, of which the elements are sign and seal, and destroying the unity of the supper it represents, God brought judgment upon that community. But God's purpose in judging these believers, however, was to prevent them from being condemned along with the world, to be identified with unbelievers, because that's the way that unbelievers would be acting. And so the context, I love that, is verse 17 and following for this be, uh, uh, coming to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Right, right. And even if you think of uh, the word communion, right, it's called communion. It's common union. It is our union together as yes. a corporate body of believers, yes. our union together with each other and with Christ and in Christ. So Amen. to come to the table and selfishly take of it everything that you can and have no regard for your brother is completely against the spirit of what it is, right? Um, in communing with one another, we are looking to our brothers um, and saying we are together in Christ, counting the other, you know, significant. Affirming both unity or union with Christ and unity with our brothers with and sisters right. within the local body at the same time, right? Right, right. So an unworthy manner um, doesn't mean then um, have I sinned. Yeah. Or, you know, have I, have I really been faithful enough in the last, you know, however long it's been, week, month, four months, six months, a year, however long it's been, have I been faithful enough? You know, am I really worthy of this? Um, and we were talking before the. That's before a great we question, started. Patrick. Are you worthy? We're not, right? <laughs> You're not worthy. That's, That's the reality. The truth, the Amen. reality. But you are in Christ, right? Amen. That is what all of this is about. You're not worthy. Of course, you're not worthy. But you are in Christ, and in Christ, you are worthy. So it's not about this rugged introspection and. Um, hyper introspection where we examine every little thing and try to determine if we're worthy of it. That misses the whole point of what we're doing. Amen. Uh, the reality is un unworthy coming to the table is missing the point of what it is. Yeah, yeah Kyle, absolutely. jump in here, man. No, no, you're Sorry, good. And, Patrick and, and I are just no, kind of... <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And, uh, to, you know, so, so as somebody who's, you know, looking to join the church or somebody who, uh, you know, is, is maybe um, new to the faith, new to our church, that, you know, it's important to understand there is a right and a wrong way to partake of the Lord's Supper, right? So, and that is what, and that is what Paul is addressing here. These people were partaking of the Lord's Supper in a selfish manner, and they were not considering others as they were partaking of the Supper. But what does that mean for you as, a, as somebody who is joining the church is, what that means for you is that you know, when you come partake of Lord's Supper on a Sunday morning with us here at Believers Baptist Church, you know, we are doing it in such a way that we are considering the body. And so for you as partaking, you can be assured that you are partaking of it in a way that it is, um, I don't know if worthy is the right way, but, you know, we are taking it in a way, you know, we, we do do it properly. And so you don't need to worry about that as much. And so um, I guess what we're trying to unpack here is that, um, when you come Sunday morning and partake of the Lord's Supper with us, this isn't, you don't, you don't have to look at yourself and go, okay, am I worthy partake of the Lord's Supper this Sunday? Have I been good enough this week that, okay, now, okay, I've done enough this week. I have, 
I have confessed enough and now I am worthy to partake of the supper. No, that is not what this text is saying. And so you are freely able to partake with us on Sunday morning if you are truly a believer, if you've been baptized. And um, because the point of it is to point us back to Christ. And so you can partake with us. I love that. And what I'm hearing from you is you haven't said the words, but what you're distinguishing here, both of you brothers are distinguishing the difference between law and gospel in the life of the Christian. That we receive the law in the hand of Christ our Savior. So we are no longer condemned by our failures to keep the law and in, in, uh, obeying Christ in that sense. So our, uh, our disobedience does not necessarily hinder us from our union with Christ in an ultimate sense. Yes. But it does have real implications from us being distanced from him. And so there is, this, there is a, a, a place for introspection, absolutely, mm-hmm. but it must be put in its place. Absolutely, context in matters. In a condemnation mm-hmm. sense, no. But in a, uh, and I don't know the right word to be used here, but you're not, uh, if you partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, I'm using air quotes here, you're not kicked out of the kingdom that week, and then you kind of have to get resaved next week. That's not the paradigm that we want to, we want to, uh, promote today. Right. So I don't I don't want to get too far in the weeds. I'm so thankful what, that what you just clarified, Kyle. It's so good. Right. Look to um, Christ. Look, look to, Christ. to Christ. Look to Christ. That is Amen. that is Amen. our worthiness. Uh, look Amen. to Christ. So I, I do want to jump into the if one of you guys have it pulled up, I've got it here, the confession. Um, paragraph uh, thirty two is also very helpful as we kind of look um, at, at more in depth about what the specific ordinance or sacrament is. Kyle, do you want to read that? Con- so you're talking uh, chapter two, uh, or sorry, not paragraph chapter two. Chapter 30, paragraph two, okay. the very yep. next paragraph. Yep. Just read through that. Absolutely. It says, in this ordinance, Christ is not offered up to his father, nor is any real sacrifice made at all for remission of sin of the living or the dead. It is only a memorial of the one offering Christ made of himself on the cross once for all. It is also a spiritual offering of the highest possible praise to God for that sacrifice. Yeah, and again, the context is, and it's helpful with the confession, and it says in the next sentence, we want to be careful here, um, but these writers were distancing themselves from the Roman Catholic practice of transubstantiation, where Christ, his physical body, was present within the supper itself. Um, And there's an actual physical act of sacrificing Christ again. And that's what these writers were writing against, the the doctrine of transubstantiation. And so when they use this word memorial, they were writing against that. Is that there is a means of grace aspect involved, but Christ is not physically, bodily present within the meal. He is present spiritually and truly. And it goes on the confession, paragraph seven, talking about these worthy recipients in the confession, chapter 30. I'm talking about Christ being phys- uh, truly present, but not physically or bodily. And I know that gets in a little bit of the weeds there, but I think even at a base level, we do need to understand what's happening in the Lord's Supper. So you guys you can riff off of that. There's a um, lot to riff right there, at this point. I've cracked, cracked the can. cracked the can wide open there. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, everything you just said is wonderful. Uh, it is a memorial of what Christ has done for us, right? In the sense that we are not re-sacrificing Christ. Amen. Uh, Christ's atonement, uh, atoning work was once for all time, right? Amen. Hebrews 9. We 10. are remembering what Christ has done in the elements. Um, 
so Christ is not physically being re-sacrificed. This is not what this is at all. Um, but it is a memorial of what he has done. And he is spiritually present. And that is very important to us because it's not just, okay, let's remember what he's done. We ought to do that all through our lives. You know, our Christian walk daily, we ought to remember what Christ has done for us. But Christ is spiritually present with us. That is the promise that we have in His in the gospel, right? <clears throat> and it's significant because it is a means of grace, right? Amen. Christ has promised that he is with us. And it is in that way, um, even as the confession says in the first paragraph, that it exists to con- uh, to confirm the faith of believers and all the benefits of Christ's death, also for their spiritual nourishment and growth in him and their further engagement in and to all the duties they owe him. Christ has promised here to build us up through these elements, and Amen. that's something we don't want to lose sight of. And that's why it's such a wonderful reality. Yeah, and I think what has just totally transformed my particular view of uh, and I've I've worked through this. I think all three of us would say that there's there's been a a development in our uh, in our understanding of these things, and there will continue to be development. I think, and that's a good thing. But personally, I think that what has really helped me to see the beauty of the Lord's Supper is that it confirms me and just um, it, it gives strength to my assurance of my union with Christ. It is given to us as a means of grace for my assurance of faith in him. And that I think is the absolute opposite of what we were talking about <laughs> earlier is that you need to question your assurance. Do right. can you really be sure? Right. Have you really done enough? This is this is all about the gospel, right? It's Amen. Christ's body 100% about the gospel. broken for you and his blood poured out as the new covenant in his blood for the forgiveness of sins, right? Yes. That is that certain reality that we remember you know, when we come to the table yes. and Christ builds us up while we're there. Yeah. Yep. Any any thoughts with that? Kyle? No, I mean I think you answered that well, and you know it just, you know, as I'm thinking through what you guys are talking about, I mean everything everything you're saying is so true, um, but you know we we've talked a lot about um, you know our individual uh, response to the Lord's Supper and what that means for us as individuals, and you know the the confession goes on to say um, that the supper is to be a bond of pledge of their communion with Christ. So there's the individual aspect of it, of our remembering what Christ has done. Um, but it says, with Christ and each other. And yes. that is just so vitally important as we think of the Lord's Supper to to recognize that this is not something that's an individualistic thing. This is not something that we are partaking of in our bedroom uh, at night by ourselves to remember what Christ has done. But this is something that is to be done corporately, that this is something that we are to partake of with one another. Because not only is this a reminder of what Christ has done for us, but this is a reminder for what Christ has done for the whole body. And it is to remind us of our unity with the body and, and our unity with each other to grow with one in each other um, in our understanding of Christ. And so, I mean, it is, I mean, you've said it beautifully, but I mean, what, is, what does communion mean? Uh, common union. Common right. union, right? It's uh, our union together, right? And that comes directly from Ephesians chapter 4. One Lord, one mm-hmm. faith, one baptism. Uh, one body. That, right. One body, right? Um, many, many facets, but one body. Um, many parts, rather. Um, one body. Yeah, that's so good. Very good. All right, any thoughts further? And then we'll kind of go into the question of uh, how is it to be administered? Kind of more practical things about the Lord's Supper. Um, what is it? 
um, in what does it look like? How should it be rightly done? Is there a right, a proper way to do it? Um, is there an improper way to do sure, it? Kind of sure. get into that. Yeah. Well, like Kyle said, um, it is a corporate thing. It's um, for when the church gathers is plain in the scripture. Um, it is uh, for building up with each other. It's not a, a ruggedly individualistic type thing like we like to have that mentality. Um, so it would be wrongly administered if it's uh, administered outside the context of the local church. Um, right administration is within the context of the local church. And of course, the, the particulars of it we see uh, modeled for us in Scripture in both Matthew and in 1 Corinthians where we've gone, right? An elder of the church who is responsible um, to steward these means of grace to the church um, does uh, in like manner of Christ, right? He takes the bread, he blesses yep. it. Um, he takes the cup, he blesses it, right? Yeah, I think even you just mentioned that, but uh, in the confession, chapter 28, verse, verse, <laughs> paragraph, it could be verse two, paragraph two. So 28, two says, these holy appointments are to be administered only by those who are qualified and called to administer them according to the commission of Christ. So I think that's kind of what you're hitting on there. So the, these, these ordinance or sacraments are, are, cannot be, rather, I should say that in the negative sense, cannot be uh, disassociated from the local gathered church. And that touches our ecclesiology. What is the church? How do you know what is a true church? What's a false church? Won't get into that. Get into but that really too. that comes into play here, you know, because is it anyone's conception of what a church is? Is me and my family with two other families at our house, is that a church? Uh, you know, those are big questions that people have all the time. Uh, all, all of that. So we won't get into that, but those are big questions. Okay, so come back to this. Are there... Uh, proper ways or improper ways that the Lord's Supper is to be administered. I think we would all say yes to both. There's a mm-hmm. proper and there's an improper way. And of course, Scripture teaches us that, and the confession also helps us to see that. So here's another practical question. I think we've already touched on it, but let's press these. And these are two that are kind of in the same realm. First question is, is the Lord's Supper open? So if we have, let's just do a practical on a Sunday morning. Um, and we're going to talk about fencing the table. Uh, I want to bring that up. And so you guys can are well-equipped to talk about that. But is the Lord's Supper open to everyone in attendance? And are there some who are denied or uh, asked not to partake of? So this that whole concept, I'll let you guys take that away. Yeah, I mean, we can to. go I mean, right back to the confession. I mean, paragraph 8. Uh, kind of gives us a good um, jumping off point to answer that. It says, all ignorant and ungodly people are unfit to enjoy communion with Christ and are thus for, and are thus unworthy of the Lord's table. As long as they remain in this condition, they cannot partake of these holy mysteries or be admitted to the Lord's table without committing a great sin against God. All those who receive the supper unworthily are guilty of the blood of the body and blood of the Lord, eating and drinking judgment on themselves. So as, as elders, as, uh, as, as preachers, it is very important that we do fence the table and we do warn the people that are not believers that this is not for you. This is only for believers. And, um, and so we do that, you know, every, or, you know, every time we administer Lord's Supper, we are, we're making sure to, uh, to warn people and tell people that if you are not a believer, this is not for you. This is only for uh, true believers. Because, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty strong uh, language there, you know. I mean, you know, there, there's two sides of the Lord's Supper. I mean, as we partake in it, we are, we are um, 
we are drinking and we are um, we're eating, we are proclaiming the work that Christ has done. But if you are not a believer and you drink on it, you are. I mean, you're, I mean, it says here you're drinking judgment on yourselves, and you know that is not something that we would uh, we would want to encourage unbelievers right. to do. Yeah, not something to be taken lightly at all. There, absolutely. There is a real heavy weight that the confession places on this. Um, yeah, and I, I think. So the the beauty of the Lord's Supper. Think about this on the, in the morning in the morning Lord's Day gathering of the church. After the sermon has been preached, after we've sung, we've engaged in the elements of the regulative principle of worship within the life of the church. We've read the word, we've preached the word, we've prayed in accordance with the word, we've sung the word, and and then now we see the word preached. Can you just, from an unbeliever's perspective, they have been immersed, to use a Baptist word, they've been immersed in the gospel. And what a proclamation of the gospel to not only have heard everything, but also then to see the union of believers um, to partake of in remembrance of this Lord's Supper as an evangelistic mode. That if you are not a part of Christ in union with him, that that would just... I cannot imagine being an unbeliever seeing that, right? I mean, that, that, that it just gets me excited that this would be a, a wonderful way to add to our evangelistic effort on a Sunday morning, that we would uh, communicate the importance of the supper in that way. I know that's a tangent, but there's, there's so many things running through my mind this morning. I'm I'm the host here, and I'm trying to I'm not trying to take over the episode. No, I mean, and that's um, a good point. I mean, even I mean, I think about our children, right? I mean, on on uh, the the weeks that we do the Lord's Supper, um, you know, we we do kids church throughout the throughout the month, but on those weeks, we have our children in the service with us. Yes. And uh, my 13-year-old son, um, he was just baptized, and I mean, one of the things he was most excited about after his baptism was being able to partake of the Lord's Supper. Yes. He had seen it done for 13 years, and he'd asked, Dad, why can't I, why can't I partake? And I mean, it was, you know, he got to see the the celebration, and you know, he wanted to be a part of that. And, and so, I mean, that's why... Um, that's why it's. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm at a loss for words right now. But you know, that's one of the one of the benefits of it. I am so thankful yes. to see that. I am so thankful when my oldest son, he's ten, going on eleven, when he has asked me, "Dad, why can't I take? Why can't I partake?" And I'm able to have a conversation with him, explain to him why. It's amazing. It's an, an evangelistic opportunity Absolutely. for me to share the gospel with my son. He can see it. He's longing for it in a way, but he doesn't really understand yet why he's longing. Mm-hmm. I want to part- I want to be a part of this. And I say, no, son, you can't. Not yet. Um, anyway, there, there's just so many facets to this. Patrick, you've been silent for a few minutes. <laughs> Bring us back, brother. <laughs> Bring us back. Well, we're, um, at the, uh, we're at 38 minutes. Yes. And we probably ought to um, wrap it up. Huh? So, yeah, um, I know that you, Kyle, you've got a great quote that you want to kind of end our episode in. Um, Patrick, what have we missed? Have we have we passed over anything that might be important for us to talk about? Before no, we I close? think I think we've I think we've summarized it at least. Um, you know, with all of my scattered thoughts running around my head, I think we I us. think we've hit what we need to. You know, we ought to remember. Um, you know, think rightly about um, rightly about the Lord's Supper. We ought to remember it's about our union with Christ. Right? It's a means of grace. If we if we don't have that as our baseline, uh, we will get off. It's a means of grace um, designed, given to us by the Lord as a command, 
but not a burdensome command, right? It's a command that our faith would be increased and our faith would be strengthened um, and, and, and with each other, right? It's something we come together and we commune with one another uh, in Christ, right? So it's this Amen. wonderful reality where we remember what Christ has done, his sacrifice, right? We're remembering the gospel, um, the forgiveness of sins. We're remembering his body broken for us and the blood shed for us. We're remembering that it is Christ's righteousness that we stand in, and that's how we are worthy to come before the table. It is, right? It is a sense in which we ought to, it's a somber thing, right? We ought to, um, we ought to think and, you know, realize these things, remember these things. And in short, we're of the faith, right, before we partake. Um, but it's, it's such a joyful thing. Yeah, it's right? reverent, absolutely. We should come reverently and somberly, but at the same time joyfully with thanksgiving. Right, right. It's absolutely, it ought to be one of the most joyful things in our service, right? Yes. Because it, it is a tangible uh, representation of the gospel, um, and, it, and in that way it builds us up, and it's so, so wonderful, and we ought to long for the Lord's table. That's, that is, yes, amen, amen, and amen. And again, we talked eschatology earlier. We ought to long for that day where we are perfectly communing with Christ. Yes. Uh, where, where Christ brings us home to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes, right? amen. All right, Kyle, take us out. You've got a great yeah. quote here, and I think that'll, that'll end us today. Absolutely. So closing thoughts, you know, for, for those who are in the membership class, for those who are new members, you know, if you've been baptized, you know, come Sunday morning when we do the Lord's Supper and partake with us and partake with joy, partake with assurance of your salvation and the work that Christ has done. So um, that would be my encouragement uh, for, those who are, uh, for those who are joining the church. And, um, and as I was preparing for uh, this podcast, I was, I was listening to another podcast that, uh, that Duffy will, will plug here in a minute, uh, Theocast. And uh, Justin Perdue on that th- podcast just had a, a great quote that just, I thought, very succinctly summarized the Lord's Supper and what it means and, and what, it, what it's a picture of. And he says, uh, it's a beautiful picture of how we come together with a collective sense of our need of Christ, we come together to receive the bread and the cup as a sign of our union with Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, and righteousness in his name, and our union with one another as his people. Amen. That's so good, guys. Thank you all for your time uh, on this Friday. Uh, listener, I hope this has been a help to you uh, as we have been uh, putting together some resources for new members and just going back to the basics, some fundamentals of the faith. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. Uh, But don't forget, before you go, please like and share this podcast with someone that you know, maybe through social media, through email, through text message, however you share media, please share it um, with others. Uh, And lastly, submit uh, questions through our website, through our media tab, if you would like us to consider a something to discuss on a future podcast episode, go to our website, bbcemory.org. Go to the media tab, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll find a box that you can submit us a question there. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.